Welcome to the My Friend the Friar podcast, and thanks for listening. If you like My Friend the Friar and want to support us, please consider subscribing or following us if you haven't already done so. And if you found us on YouTube, then don't forget to click the notification bell when you subscribe so you'll be notified of new episodes when they release. Thanks again, and God bless. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining me. Father Stephen is still running amok since he escaped the monastery, and he has posed a rather significant challenge to recapture. Since the normal impetus for his return is that he gets hungry and misses his bed, I believe it is only a matter of time before he'll be back with us. Until then, all we can do is wait and pray. In the meantime, I thought I would share something that has been occupying a lot of my mental space lately, and to help communicate it, I've gone ahead and written it all out. My hope is that in sharing this way, my thoughts will be more coherently constructed and easier to receive. So, let's start by setting the stage. If you've listened to many of our other episodes, you may have picked up on the fact that I am what is considered a cradle Catholic, born, baptized, and raised in the Catholic Church. And like many people, my journey has ultimately been one of reversion. I've gone from being faithful to God in the most trying moments of my young life to completely turning my back on God and publicly ridiculing Christians to their face for how ridiculous their beliefs were. I, taking a much more intelligent stance than people who used religion as a crutch, would pursue what made me happy on my own terms. And after more than a decade of that lifestyle, I would encounter God in the stillness of the culmination of my self-wrought destruction. That encounter would be the beginning of my reversion to Christianity. Interestingly enough, what started me off toward my atheistic stance on life in the beginning was the Eucharist. I thought myself too intelligent in my early 20s to believe that the bread and wine was really Jesus, when it obviously and scientifically was not. So, very quickly, after I set aside the possibility of the Eucharist being anything more than just symbolic, the door was open for me to explore Christianity as a way of life, merely a framework of moral and ethical thought. It didn't take long for me to begin visiting churches of many Christian denominations, and then to quickly decide that it was more convenient and more enjoyable to be my own arbiter of morality rather than rely on religious belief. I could take in the world around me, along with all the data from the various religions, denominations, philosophies, and cultures, and forge my own path of life and happiness and fulfillment. So when I began my reversion, why pursue the Catholic form of Christianity? Was it just me returning to my roots? It would be unfair to think that the familiarity didn't play at least a part initially, but there was a fundamental drive that I had after encountering God, a burning and all-consuming fire within my heart for Him. I wanted to be with God. I wanted His comfort. I wanted His guidance. I wanted His love. I longed for Him as I had longed for my father who had passed away. I wanted to know what He said, what He did, what He wanted. And so, while I had looked back to Catholic Christianity from the very beginning, I by no means had thought that it was the final destination. The only thing I was committed to was following God wherever He guided me. In my quest for God, I read book after book and watched countless presentations, debates, seminars, and sermons. Everything I would experience would draw me closer to Jesus and further from the possibility of other religions or purely humanistic philosophies. Detail after detail would close the door, 
on the various Christian denominations and their theologies. The more I learned about Christianity, the more the evidence pointed me to the Catholic Church. Over the years, it would become increasingly clear that there is only one truth. There is only one truth. There is only one truth. I was blessed to have the opportunity to participate in a renewal weekend retreat offered at my parish, known as Christ Renews His Parish, or CHIRP for short. I actually find it very endearing that the pronunciation of the acronym for Christ Renews His Parish is as though it is spelt C-H-R-P instead of C-R-H-P. It must have just been fun to say CHIRP, and so it stuck around. I don't even know how one would say C-R-H-P. Anyway, the weekend takes the form of either a men's-only or a women's-only retreat, and as one of the many men who was on the receiving end of this particular men's-only weekend, I was given so many chances to look back on my life and see how God had been present, thanks to the many efforts of the men who were on what is affectionately known as the giving team. It was their willingness to put on this weekend and the form that the retreat follows that allowed me to encounter Jesus over and over again. Not just on that weekend, but retrospectively over the course of my whole life. This weekend was absolutely one of the most influential moments of my life and has continued to be so years after the initial experience. If you're listening and you have not participated in CHIRP at your parish and get the opportunity, I could not more strongly encourage you to do so. Also, if it isn't available at your parish and you're interested in having it made available, let me know and I'd be more than happy to help you learn how to make it happen. The weekend allowed me the chance to look back on my life and contrast it to the lives and stories of some of the men who were there as well. I no longer felt alone and isolated in my life's story. The honesty and willingness to be vulnerable and open from the giving team and other attendees made it much easier for someone like me who is very introverted to make friends and feel accepted. Everyone was so friendly, patient, generous with their time and attention. I had never been in an environment filled with just men where they acted toward one another in such a caring way. I was also able to see how I could have experienced life up to this point in a much different way had I only been less prideful and more willing to continue to follow Jesus and grow with him when I was younger. Most of the hardships I had brought on myself could have been avoided had I been seeking God the way I was now. I would also learn on my trip weekend about how my civil-only marriage would affect my ability to encounter Jesus in the sacraments and participate fully in the Catholic Church. This was all very early in my reversion, and what I learned in regards to how marriage was understood and the sacraments many people would have seen as deal-breakers and maybe even prime examples of the idiocracy that proves the falseness of the Catholic Church. But I instead experienced it all as an even deeper encounter with Jesus. Our family would get through those challenges in time, but what was clear in that specific encounter was that Jesus did not tell me he was going to make everything better, or make me happy, or that he would fit into my life. He called me to follow him, to instead conform my life to him, no matter the cost which is something that I've been trying to do ever since. Jumping back to the present day, my heart has been consumed by God's love for me. I've been so utterly swept up by my encounters with Jesus that he is often the only thing I can think about. So now that the stage is set, what has been occupying my thoughts lately? 
It is that I want everyone to be a part of Christ's Catholic Church so they can have a relationship with Jesus and experiences like I've been able to. I want young people to avoid the mistakes I made and the pain I caused to myself and others. There are people in my family who are atheist or agnostic, and I have family members who are non-Catholic Christians as well as Catholic Christians. So obviously, the same would be true for everyone else in the world, in addition to them possibly following some other religion. Sharing Jesus with people who are atheist or agnostic or not Christian is one thing, but to share this with people who are already claiming to be Christian is another thing entirely. As I said, it was when I encountered God that changed my life. It was all the evidence, or all the details, which sealed the deal. But as it is with any relationship, it is spending time with Jesus and getting to know Him, where His beauty and truth were revealed in the details. Like the freckle on my wife's left ear, or my daughter's birthmark that is really only visible when she doesn't feel well. Just like with the relationships with other people in my life, there was a moment when I first met Jesus, but as I spent time with him, I really got to know him. The people who claim to believe in some higher power, have they ever really encountered God? The people who claim to be Christian, but their lives don't reflect it, have they ever really encountered Jesus? And finally, to the Christians who are not part of Christ's universal, unified church, do they really know Jesus? Do they really know him? How many people really know Jesus instead of knowing about Jesus? Have they ever been courageous enough to look at the early church or to read their Bible without doing so through the lens of the tradition they were either brought up in or are currently a member of? If Christians were presented with all the evidence and they stacked it all up and really took it all in and thought about it, would there really be such division among us? If agnostic or atheist people were really honest with themselves, would they not recognize their own desire and search for God? At least regarding Christians, I really truly do believe if Christians would all just sit down, and, as I did, and look at all the evidence as objectively as possible, there would be very little division. But I also honestly don't know how we would ever get to that place, and I'm a prime example of why. This is where I wish I had more of Father Stephen's patience and calm wisdom. I get caught up for literal days trying to decide which detail will be the one I can wield to shatter the bias of a non-Catholic Christian family member so they can see the truth that is Catholic Christianity. Then I spend countless more days planning and charting out the logic of the argument and considering all the ways in which it might not hold up. But what would the good father say if he weren't out running wild, probably causing mischief and losing his glasses again, or being crushed to death by the gentle fluff that is the unending joyful energy that all the nuns seem to possess? If I brought this all up to him, he'd probably ask me first if I've prayed. Not just talk at God, but really prayed. Then, in classic Jesus fashion, instead of answering any question I might have on how to best perform my masterful, apologetic, tactical maneuver, he'd flip my question around and ask me if said hypothetical other person has ever really encountered or come to know God or Jesus' love through me. Is Christ's love shining so brightly through me that people can't help but be drawn to the truth? 
he'd do something like, quote, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, and say, I give you a new commandment, love one another, as I have loved you, so you should also love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And then my thoughts would immediately go to, but what do you mean that it all comes down to my willingness to enter into relationships with other people? Why can't I just wield history or facts or scripture and use them as tools to get people to understand? Relationships take even more effort than the research required to put together a well-crafted argument. Then I'd think, Jesus, I'm not you. I'm not capable of this thing that you're asking people to do. I'm going to need you to do it for me. I can gather all the details and lay it all out there for people, but I need you to make it happen. How ironic. I wonder if God ever gets tired of thinking, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because he tells us what we need to do plain as day, and we still get it wrong. He knows I'm not capable of doing the things he's asking people to do. He knows that he's the one who moves people's hearts, not me. He is the detail. He is the facts. He is the truth. All he asks is that we act, that we love, that we walk with one another, that we cast our nets, that we step out of the boat and onto the water and let him take care of the rest. His love puts the arguments to rest. His love is where people encounter him. His love is where the church is. And how much more ironic that even after the fact that it was my encountering Christ through the generosity of others through Chirp that I still get it wrong. Of all the characteristics of God, maybe we should all be most thankful for his patience. So perhaps instead of trying to figure out how to best present the truth that is the Catholic Church, I should put my effort into continuing to learn what Jesus handed on to the church so I can live the faith and love better. Maybe, if I actually put effort into building real relationships with people and loving them where they are, they would hear Jesus calling them to the truth. Maybe they would experience something in our relationship and they would trust me enough to ask questions and be receptive to my response. I think this is probably true for anyone listening. It's easier for people to debate and argue than to form relationships. It's entertaining, and people, like myself, like to feel right. But it takes effort and sacrifice to build relationships. It might take five seconds to throw out a Bible verse at someone. It might take you years to embody that same verse in someone else's life. So should everyone learn as much as they can? Absolutely. But learn the facts and the history and the scripture and the truth so you can live it, not wield it. So this is where we're going to wrap things up for now. I hope sharing what's been on my mind has given you something to think about as you, to quote St. Paul, work out your salvation. I want to encourage everyone to go back and listen to our episodes on prayer and relationship. I think there's a lot in those two episodes we can all reflect on. Hopefully, you've enjoyed today's episode, and today is the day that we've earned your subscription. If so, uh, subscribe or follow us so you will get notified in your podcast app of our new episodes. And of course, please share the podcast with others. And as always, thank you so much for listening. God bless.